Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. Now, without further ado, our guest for today is Les Valles, and he has a new book out called The Unknown Other and The Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. Thanks for coming on, Les. Hey, thank you very much, Gary, for having me here today. So, um, what got you interested in extraterrestrial contact? <laughs> well, I guess you have to go back in time uh, to when I was 11 years old, and I was living in Connecticut at the time. And uh, uh, I was uh, a, a October evening, and uh, I was coming back in the house, and... Uh, uh, I noticed this object uh, over a, a tree line. It was this round, roundish, more oval, I guess, and whitish in, in uh, color, and no sound whatsoever. And uh, and it slowly started to move away, and then it finally disappeared. But during that process, you know, I, I became quite frightened and uh, ran into the house and tried to drag my father out. And by the time I got him out, uh, it was gone. And uh, he said, oh, it's probably just a, a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud. And uh, I didn't buy that, really. And uh, so the next day I went to the library looking for some books on UFOs. And uh, in those days, uh, this is the late 50s, uh, George Adamski was, uh, uh, you know, the, the main character out there talking about UFOs. And so... Uh, uh, I got a couple of his books and started to read them and really got into it for a while. And then, you know, uh, you know, became an adolescent and uh, the, the ladies became a little bit more interesting <laughs> other than UFOs. And I kind of forgot about it for a while. And then I went off to uh, college, uh, University of Vermont, and uh, was uh, took part in the ROTC program. And then I got married and... Uh, Eventually ended up uh, back in Connecticut for a while, uh, working for a company there. And uh, in 1985, I moved out to California uh, with a new job prospect. And uh, so one day I picked up the uh, San Jose Mercury News, and uh, Stanton Freeman was coming to San Jose City College to talk about UFOs and the government cover-up. And so I, you know... It was like the switch was thrown. I, I, I instantaneously got very excited and decided, okay, I'm going to go see see him, and expecting to see uh, just a handful of people. And uh, as it turned out, the auditorium was packed. He did one of his inimitable uh, lectures. Uh, and it just blew me away. And so uh, I walked out of there supercharged, so to speak, and uh, MUFON, had a, uh, a table in the foyer, 
and they had their journals there, a monthly journal that they produce. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to sign up for that and <clears throat> became a member and started to get the journals. Well, after a while, that wasn't enough for me. And uh, I decided to take the uh, field investigator examination. And so uh, I passed that and uh, started to investigate cases. And almost without exception, uh, the cases turned out to not only be sightings, but they also turned out to be abduction type cases, which really started the ball rolling for me <clears throat> as far as really trying to understand what's going on and understanding that these people were looking uh, for more than just somebody to come and, you know, take their notes. Uh, and uh, uh, they, were, they were seeking some kind of help. And so uh, these, one day this person asked me, uh, did I know of other people having similar circumstances in their lives? And I said, yes, I do. And next thing is happening, I'm, I'm facilitating a support group in San Jose. And uh, so that's when things really got interesting for me because, uh, you know, I had read some books about abductions and things like that, of course, but the bottom line was that these people were telling me things I'd never heard before. And uh, so that process was, was uh, quite educational and enlightening. Uh, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> as I say, things really, really started to get interesting at that point. Wow. So, um, I mean, I do. I have Kathleen Martin on every couple months. You know, oh, she wrote fantastic. the book Contact with Stanton yes. Friedman, and right. she also worked with MUFON with Experiencers, and mm -hmm. she has a book out now too to <clears throat> help kind of Experiencers, you know, yeah, extraterrestrial not feel alone, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I've also um, have a regular guest on here is um, uh, Michael Carter. From Ancient mm -hmm. Aliens, and he also recently came out with a book for experiencers too. Yeah, I think what's happening here is is the fact that uh, you know we all understand that there's something going on you know in our our airspace, and uh, it's been going on probably for eons. And the the, the other uh, corollary to this is the uh, abduction phenomena, because I I think that uh, this has been a, a, an area that has been neglected. Uh, by the nuts and bolts type people, which MUFON basically was for a very long time. Um, and uh, I got involved uh, shortly thereafter, after I started this support group, um, uh, talking to uh, James Carrion, who was the international director. This was back in 2007. And told him that, you know, basically we're missing the boat. On, on understanding what's going on with this phenomena by not really talking to these uh, uh, abductees and getting the information that they have. And so uh, shortly thereafter, all the phone calls that were coming in to MUFON uh, looking for help, uh, you know, these experiences were looking for help, I would get them and I'd do the triage on them. And uh, subsequently uh, set up an organization within uh, MUFON called the AERC, the, uh, uh, the Abductee Experiencer Research uh, Committee, and, uh, and then also an ART, the uh, Abduction Response Team. Um, 
And so we, we worked that for a while. And then out of that actually came a paper called the Omega-3 study, uh, which took 71 abductees and 51 people that were a control group and uh, uh, basically uh, uh, did an analysis, a psychological analysis, uh, uh, utilizing eight different instruments. Um, and we, we got some really interesting conclusions, which I can, I can read to you at, at some point uh, if you're interested. Um, <clears throat> but the bottom line on, on the report was that these people did not have a psychopathology. Uh, they weren't fantasy prone. Uh, uh, they they uh, uh, they had a difference in the temporal lobe activity, uh, which was quite interesting. And so uh, I think you know from a scientific standpoint, uh, that proved to be an interesting factor. So anyway, after after you know setting up this uh, this uh, uh, group. Uh, I got. I was written up in a uh, Monterey Coast Weekly paper about what I was doing for MUFON, and uh, uh, there was another woman that was written up in the same article. And I got a call from her afterwards, and uh, she wanted to to you know get together with me to, and, and try to figure out a way to help her understand uh, her brain waves uh, when she was in contact with these off-earthly entities, which she, she, told, she talked about in, in this article. And so, uh, I, you know, at first I kind of said, well, there's no way I, I know how to help this person do that. Um, uh, but then she said she was working with an emergency room doctor down in Carmel. And uh, so... <laughs> I said, oh, that's interesting. So uh, I had a doctor friend, uh, Dr. Eugene Lipson, um, who was interested in meeting other doctors that were interested in this abduction phenomena. So I called him up and I said, hey, let's go down there and uh, talk to this lady and see, you know, you know, what we could possibly do. So we did. We went down there. Um, and as we were walking in, there's this picture on the wall. And it's her standing on the back of this rather large yacht. And uh, I said, what, so what's this all about? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down there helping these treasure hunters. And I said, well, well, wait a minute. How are you helping the treasure hunters? Uh, she says, well, I'm, I was in contact with the uh, captain of the galleon that had gone down and, you know, trying to position where, where this treasure is. <laughs> so that blew us away. Um, and we come to find out that... Uh, she had had a near-death experience, and uh, subsequently she became quite psychic, and uh, had now you know has constant contact with these off-earthly entities, including the captain of this galleon. Um, so we you know eventually we came away that afternoon after she told us stuff about ourselves that there was no possible way that she she could know what you know what was going on with us. We never met her before no other uh, you know way that she could find out anything the, the detail that she was telling us and so we came away saying well how could we possibly help well that's when uh, the idea of opus the organization for paranormal understanding and support came about and uh, you know our, our mission basically is to help people having paranormal experiences and in 1994 uh, we became an officially a nonprofit organization, a 501c3 recognized by the IRS, which always cracks me up. <laughs> Paranormal in the IRS. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny to me. Anyway, uh, 
the uh, the uh, interesting thing, you know, was that uh, subsequently uh, Opus uh, has been going strong ever since. Uh, we uh, we help people uh, in their in their experiences a couple of ways. Uh, one that we have a, a referral list of hypnotherapists around the country. And then also uh, we have an online support group, which is totally confidential. The only way you get into it is if you contact us through our website, which is opusnetwork.org, which is behind me here. Uh, you'll see that underneath the Opus logo. And, uh, uh, and, and the, like I say, these are totally confidential. Nobody gets into the group unless we do the triage on them and, and let them into the group. And basically... The thing that we found to be the most helpful is this support group that people understand they're not alone, that other people are having similar circumstances, which they can discuss 24-7, and that is going on. And we have over 300 people in, in this group now on an active basis uh, from around the world. And, and this is not a, just a United States phenomena. It's a world phenomena that's going on. And so... The reason why finally I wrote the book was to educate, hopefully, uh, people that aren't, aren't familiar with the topic by all the, all the physical and psychological uh, effects of these things and, and, and to understand that, you know, should we be, should we be concerned about these contacts? And, and that's a question that still needs to be resolved, I think. I, I think we don't have enough information to say one way or the other. However, in doing these, uh, uh, these uh, studies, uh, which were just finished the first phase of the omega-4 study, the follow-on to the omega-3, how clever of us, <laughs> anyway, um, that we actually went out to therapists uh, that work with uh, people that uh, claim to be experiencing contact with non-human intelligences. And so uh, uh, the fact that the information that we got back from that study is, is quite interesting and we're in the process of publishing that information. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting that out there shortly. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> as I said, in, in, you know, the unknown other and, uh, you know, are we dealing with extraterrestrials? Are we dealing with the time travelers? Are we dealing with interdimensional beings? Are we dealing with our military? Uh, which I believe is probably all the above. Mm -hmm. I think it can Absolutely. be just about anything you can possibly think of. And uh, one of the things that came out of the therapist study that <clears throat> most people um, were involved with grays, okay? That was like the number one thing. It's almost like, you know, an iPhone. It's a gray. All these different civilizations utilize grays to take people uh, because they're afraid of us. <laughs> they don't want to get near us. So they just get these, you know, biological robots uh, to uh, attend to us and, and do whatever they need to do. Um, you know, I've had instances where uh, uh, these uh, contactees uh, have um, hurt hurt these grays. I mean, you know, biting them, ripping arms off one of one case ripped an arm off and it was like almost like nothing happened and they just walked away disappeared and another one came uh so uh there's all kinds of stories like that that are going on um so anyway the, the bottom line on all of this is, is is the fact that there is definitely something going on uh 
I think it's multiple uh, possibilities. And, you know, a lot of the, the abductees, uh, like 70 to 80 percent, uh, say that they don't want these uh, contacts to stop, which is a very interesting thing. Uh, you know, you only you seem to he- only hear about the negative stuff like, you know, Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs talk about. Uh, and then the opposite is with uh, Greer that, you know, says they're all good. Uh, I think we have a mix. I think we have a total mix. We have we have good aliens and we got bad aliens. And I, and I think even within the groups themselves, there's good ones and bad ones, just like we have here on the earth. You know, we have different nationalities different colored skin and we got good ones and we got bad ones in each each of these groups and so uh, I think the same thing is going on in, in these realms and uh, whatever realm you may be uh, talking about whether it's interdimensional or uh, you know extraterrestrial in nature hmm. yeah most of the contactees that I have interviewed um, will say that they were fearful in the beginning but then after multiple experiences usually they found them to be benevolent and almost um, caring for the human race more or less Um, typically they had some type of message about us destroying the planet Um, they usually communicated with uh, telepathy which means Mm -hmm. that we have the ability of telepathy also but we just don't use it um And also a lot of experiencers that I've talked to have returned with either um, some type of healing ability or enhanced psychic abilities, too. Have you found, um, you know, those type of things to be commonalities with these experiencers that you've worked with? Absolutely. Absolutely. Matter of fact, uh, um, I was just at the uh, MUFON Symposium this past August, in Las Vegas and had the opportunity to make a presentation because I'm also a member of the MUFON ERT, the Experiencer Resource Team, as a research consultant. And uh, so I gave a presentation and one of the people was Robert Salas was sitting in the the meeting uh, with his wife, uh, Marilyn. And uh, they came up to me afterwards and asked if they could sit down and talk with me for a bit. And I, uh, I said, absolutely. And so, you know, Robert Salas, uh, I'm sure you're aware of, is the, the, the major that was at the uh, Maelstrom Air Force Base when the missiles got shut down. So anyway, um, they proceeded to tell me that they had been abducted. Uh, they, they've had experiences. And uh, in great detail as to what happened during, during the, this uh, time uh, with the aliens. And uh, Marilyn... Uh, came back uh, from that experience uh, being a healer, had the capability to heal people. And I've actually experienced healing from a person that's been abducted, a, a gentleman up in, in Vancouver. I had a back issue, and uh, we talked, and uh, from Vancouver, and I'm here in Texas, uh, we did two sessions, and I was fixed. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing the power, uh, the abilities that come about. Yeah, whether it's telepathic abilities that are, are, are uh, uh, created uh, from those experiences or healing or being healed, uh, you know, that, that's, that's also, you know, where these orbs, I, I think 
when you say you had Kathleen on on your show, there she talks about a case where an orb went into this uh, gentleman and, and, and he had cancer and, and he mm -hmm. was cured. It just took away the cancer. Um, so there's there's just amazing uh, abilities that we don't understand, and uh, there's so much more to learn, and uh, that's why I think it's so important, um, you know, that we 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 understand it because uh, I think we're going to need abilities like this in the future. You know, the existential proposition of alien contact. Well, you know, existential means, well, it's life-threatening or could be life-threatening, uh, you know, dealing with these aliens. Uh, but also it, it, it's the truth. That's from a logical standpoint. It, it, existential means it's, it's, it's just something that's true, that it's, that's meaningful. And it certainly is. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, the, what are the what are the what are the agendas of these uh, entities? You know, what what is the the bottom line? What are they trying to do? And that's a whole nother ball game. Uh, and uh, so, you know, there's all types of uh, you know uh, theories about that. One of my guests that I have on usually all the time too is Preston Dennett. And he believes mm -hmm. that, um, their, you know, their agenda is pretty simple, which is the spiritual advancement for humans. Because if we don't advance spiritually, then we're not going to be able to basically survive on this planet any longer. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and it does seem to be part of their agenda, I believe. Well, I, I believe that all the experiences that uh, abductees, experiencers, contactees, whatever you want to call them, are going through is a is a spiritual uh, journey. There's no question about it. You mentioned it earlier that the initial phase is very traumatic. Uh, then they come to accept it, and then in the the, the, the uh, final stages, when they, it actually stops, you know, it's almost like the Stockholm syndrome, where you know, why aren't they coming for me anymore? But the common thread through all of this is the fact that. You know, 99.9% of the, the cases that these people are told, hey, we have to be better stewards of our planet. You know, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your fellow man. You have to, you know, have more love, you know, instead of hate. And, and all, all really positive things, you know. But is this a screen of some sort, you know, that they just want us to feel real comfortable and then they're going to come in and, you know, take over with the hybrids? Uh, which is, you know, another theory that's out there, uh, you know, uh, so uh, you can only hope and pray uh, that uh, this this agenda is a positive one and that the majority of these uh, uh, non-human intelligences are, uh, you know, n n not uh, malevolent, but benevolent. One of the things that I've also heard um is that these extraterrestrials need us or, or were probably like once us and had left the planet and now are and due to all the time in space and through making um, different genetic modifications to themselves in order to be able to survive in space, they had lost the ability to uh, reproduce naturally. And he also had lost some of the ability to have emotions. Um, and so they have re they would come back here and sometimes use human hosts to try to 
um, restore some of their original um, ability to reproduce and feel emotion. Um, do you think that there's anything to um, that hypothesis? Yeah, I think it's a distinct possibility. Uh, you know, whether it's the ultimate, uh, you know, possibility, uh, I'm not sure. However, in the Rendlesham Forest case, you know, the, the, supposedly it was us coming back 40,000 years from the future mm -hmm. uh, to collect uh, DNA and, and chromosomes and things of that nature because they screwed up somehow, some way. Um, and, and so... Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's totally possible that that's going on because what, you know, this reality is one thing, but how many other realities are there? How many other dimensions are there? How many other other uh, intelligence are out there that uh, we we you know we're not at the top of the food chain, folks. Uh, you know, it's 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 like the you know we we don't have the the kind of uh, of uh, uh, skill set, if you will, uh, that they seem to have in order to penetrate walls, walk through walls, or take you through a wall, you know, disassemble you, uh, you know, via your atoms and then reassemble you. Uh, one of the uh, uh, stories in a book, uh, out of about 25 stories that I have in the book, uh, this one gentleman uh, talks specifically about, uh, you know, the process of uh, that they utilize to take you through a wall, uh, you know, where they basically disassemble you. It's like the transporter on Star Trek, uh, the same type of a thing. Um, and 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 uh, it, they also talk about reincarnation, you know, of the soul, uh, and, and that you know this person has come back a number of times, and and uh, uh, and I certainly. And that reminds me of a story. Uh, one of the support group meetings, uh, a person in the group said to me, oh, I've seen you before. I said, oh, really? Where? At a UFO conference, a supermarket, something like that? Said, no, no, no. I saw you on board a craft. I said, really? And I kind of blew it off. And uh, it was the, probably a year and a half, two years later, totally different person in the group said, hey, I've seen you before. I said, where? A UFO conference? And he said, no, no, no. I saw you on board a craft, you were sitting on this bench naked and you were freaking out and they told me to go over to you and calm you down. Well, um, I uh, decided at that point that I should go get regressed. And uh, I, I, I uh, saw three separate people and had three separate regressions and never got to anything close to being on board a craft or being abducted, but I had multiple past lives, multiple past lives. And subsequently, and this was just recently, somebody said to me, says, well, perhaps this, this abduction took place in a, in a previous lifetime or, you know, in a, in a, in a, you know, a past reincarnation of some sort. And you hear stories about people that are here today and and talking about their 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 life, you know, previously, and then the physical uh, uh, aspects, like this one case where this person was born with three missing fingers, and and started talking about you know their life and everything, and found out that this person was uh, you know you know a century before 
had cut had his fingers cut off in exactly the same place. Another person talked about a mark on their chest where a person had been shot in a previous lifetime, and they had it. I mean, it's like <clears throat> this stuff gets, you know, you can really go down the rabbit hole on this stuff and trying to understand it. So um, I think we're so so far away from really understanding the true nature of, of all of this. Uh, and all we can do is put down what, we, what we're hearing uh, from these people and, and, and trying to, you know, uh, make some kind of sense out of it but i think it's it's a difficult task to you know to say the least hmm. one of the things i find interesting too is the name of your organization has to do with paranormal now a lot of um old school people will separate ufo research and paranormal research uh -huh. um but that's definitely something that is now changing quite a bit um, do you consider them the same field, UFOlogy and paranormal research? Yeah, I think if you look at it in terms of not just nuts and bolts, uh, you know, because these things, you know, whether it's an orb that you're talking about, uh, that's not so nuts and bolts anymore. Uh, or you talk about poltergeist activity, and that reminds me, one of the things in that survey that we just did with the therapist the um, uh, grays were number one subject talked about, orbs were number two, and number three were poltergeist activity. So, you, you, you know, so the paranormal, it, for us, the way we thought about it when we, we, we kicked this off, was that encompassed everything, whether it's spiritual awakening, kundalini awakening, uh, you know, UFOs, uh, uh, poltergeist activity, uh, angels, demons, you name it. It, it, that's all encompassing. And as it turned out, <clears throat> for whatever reason, um, uh, that most of the cases that we get uh, are around uh, abduction type cases. Uh, people, people that just see a UFO, they can report to MUFON, and, and some people want it to be investigated. So, when we get cases like that, we, we refer them to MUFON uh, because that's that's their forte. Uh, but for us, this thing with abductions seems to have really, you know, come to be at at a time when it's it's you know it's really needed. It's really needed. These people, you know after they've already gone to a psychologist or a psychiatrist because they think they're going crazy uh, and come to find out that they're not, then what? You know, what's their next move? Because they can't turn in a lot of cases to family members or to their clergy or, or friends uh, because they're afraid, you know, uh, that they're going to think they're crazy. Or they have already said, hey, well, yeah, you're crazy because, you know, you, you're, you've seen grays and all this kind of stuff. So. You know, it, it, they don't know where to turn, and so that's what we're trying to uh, uh, give people that ability uh, to uh, uh, find a place where they can get the kind of help that they're looking for. Hmm. So when they come to you for help, um, other than a support group, what other tools do you give them? Yeah, we, we have a referral network of hypnotherapists around the country, 
and that seems to be the like the number one thing. Uh, as far as uh, uh, medical or mental health uh, type of, uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, assistance, uh, we we uh, we have some medical people uh, that we can refer to, but not a great deal. And we're always looking for more medical people. Uh, as far as mental health practitioners are concerned, you know those that are. Uh, uh, open to this phenomena because that's an important factor if you go to a psychologist and they, they you know they, they have no conception of, of this phenomena uh, and you go there you know the first thing they're going to do especially if they're a psychiatrist is start giving you pills you know to uh, suppress whatever it is that that you're seeing or you know or experiences you're having so uh, we do have people uh, from the uh, psychological and the uh, psychiatric community that we can uh, refer to but we're always looking for more people like that as well hmm. um, do you have a certain do you have a, um, a, a certain type of protocol that you use when you're talking to experiencers yeah when you know I think it's 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 rather difficult to to say exactly what that is in in terms of uh, you know when you say protocol, when a person contacts us, they fill out a form, which basically you know you know what is it that you're looking for, and we we give them like three choices of you know uh, being put into the online support group. Uh, looking for, uh, you know, a hypnotherapist, uh, a therapist of some sort. Um, and then they, they tell a little bit about their story. And, and, and then what we'll do is based on that story, um, and we will contact these people, talk to them, and get an understanding of, of their, their state as far as how, how they how they're feeling you know the, about this situation is it something that they're, they're afraid of or is this they're comfortable with it uh, and then you know we can then you know uh, set it up so that uh, we can send them that information because uh, we don't have that uh, listed on on our, our website that's that's confidential information that we only give when we uh, when we uh, have a person that's looking for something and we try to be very specific about <clears throat> where it is and, and how they can uh, contact these people. Um, and you get, after a while, you, you get a sense of, of is the person, uh, you know, willing to, to take a look at all this information in a logical way? Or is there something beyond that? Uh, and do they need other types of help? Uh, we've made recommendations a, a number of times, and uh, we, you know, we we have on uh, on our board uh, people that are uh, mental health practitioners. And so, if we get a case that we, we we feel that there's something else going on here uh, besides the uh, abduction type phenomena that uh you know we, we we turn that over to them and they talk to these people and then they might make a recommendation that they <clears throat> seek uh, uh you know mental uh, mental health practitioner uh in their area hmm. um 
with these cases that you you've reported, you know, you mentioned earlier that you did this omega three report. What were some yeah. of the findings of that report? Yeah, let me let me just uh, I'll just quickly read them because uh, I. I think it's uh, important information, first of all. In general, abductees experience this profile differently uh, than do their com uh, comparison counterparts on a number of general uh, psychological and specific neurological variables. Yet there are remarkable similarities between the experiential group and the comparison group. It should be noted that in no case did experiencers or comparison uh, group participants show any signs of mental illness or personality disorder. Fantasy proneness does not appear to play a differentiating role between the experiential and the control groups. However, sensitivity to alternative realities and early and recurrent paranormal or psi experiences seem to play a role in the induction experience. Childhood conflicts, psychosocial tension and abuse and trauma more than likely facilitate a dissociative coping style in later life. How much a part dissociation plays in the abduction experience remains an open question, but the Ring and Rosie 1990 abuse trauma dissociation pathway remains a viable descriptive, <coughs> if not explanatory principle. So they, they, they do show uh, this ability to dissociate, but not in a, you know, in a uh, psychopathological way at all. Both experience with an interest in the abduction phenomena have impact on how one's body is perceived to function, how one views the world and one's purpose in it, and how one defines or redefines one's faith, tradition, and beliefs. In essence, both experience with an interest in contact seem to change one's sense of self and one's worldview. And that's that common uh, thread that we talk about where, you know, let's be better stewards of the planet, better mm -hmm. to ourselves, better to our friends, uh, more love, less hate, uh, all those types of things. Uh, abductees experience and believe that there is a sentient purpose of alien intelligence at play in their lives and at work in the world. What the intelligence's goals are seen to be more beneficent than malevolent, more benign than malignant. This, though, remains an open question and a point of doubt in the minds and hearts of some abductee experiencers and some comparison control participants. It also remains a point of contention among abduction researchers, a la the difference between Bud Hopkins and uh, uh, David Jacobs and Greer, you know, about the, the negative uh, aspects and the more positive aspects. The brain, uh, now, this Next point is rather interesting. The brain generally and the temporal lobes and limbic system more particularly play a mediating role in anomalous experiences such as abduction. There in, th excuse me, this in no way implies that abductions are only in the abductee's heads. Rather, it points to the likelihood of temporal ability, in other words, the more rapid changeability, heightened uh, reactivity, as a preset or precursor to extraordinary experiences. While it would be too reductionist to claim that the brain creates such experiences, it is not far-fetched to think that the brain plays an important part in the who and the what of extraordinary experiences and how they are interpreted. So I think that, you know, you've probably heard the reports, uh, you know, about Gary Nolan and, and, and Kit Green doing... Uh, uh, research on uh, these uh, uh, people that uh, have had experiences and, and found that uh, in their in their brain uh, in the uh, caudate uh, uh, putamen area that there was a lot more connections uh, 
than in the uh, control groups. And uh, this seemed to be a, a, a make them a, a have the ability to be more psychic and to be able to be telepathic. Um, and uh, so, you know, but it's the old chicken and the egg. Are these, uh, you know, based on manipulation by the aliens, you know, centuries ago or eons ago uh, to make uh, certain people have that capability and others not. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, <laughs> or is this, is this something that, uh, you know, seems to be generational? You know, these people Absolutely. that, uh, that have had things. these experiences, yeah, and their their parents or their grandparents, and, you know, it, they just keep following the family uh, lineage uh, all the way down the pike. Um, so I think I think most of us, uh, like, like Kathy uh, Martin and myself and a number of other people, uh, are, are open-minded about this whole thing in the, in the sense that uh, it's not one thing. It's many things. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> once you start going down that rabbit hole, as I said earlier, it uh, you know, there's so many different uh, root, routes that you can take uh, to, uh, you know, trying to understand this thing. But uh, it just takes you into another rabbit hole. Right. I mean, it obviously has to be all things being experienced. I think the only way to figure out, you know, which one falls into which bucket is looking for different types of common denominators. You know, like one of the things that I'm suspicious about as far as the negative experiences, where especially like the ones where people are interacting with, um, they're on a craft and there's multiple species of aliens including sometimes humans i wonder if those are actually more human military operations rather than extraterrestrial encounters yeah i i think that uh, you know melinda leslie talks about her experiences with the mill labs uh, type of, of things where uh, the military was extremely involved with with her particular case, but I've also heard uh, multiple times of people, you know, being on board a craft. Uh, well, you have a, a gray, of course, a short gray, a tall gray. Uh, you might have a man manted type of a entity. Uh, you may have a Nordic, and then you may have a military guy dressed up in you know full regalia. Uh, there, I've had a case where there was a gray, and uh, there was this entity, it looked just like a mask with this funny yarn coming out of its mask head. And it, so to me, it was like they were trying to imitate something, but they were trying to also disguise themselves at the same time uh, because obviously the person was in a state of, you know, not seeing real clearly, but... I had a, uh, a forensic uh, artist from the San Jose Police Department draw this thing, and uh, it was unbelievable. It was almost funny, uh, but the bottom line, that particular uh, uh, thing that happened to this person that, uh, that saw this, it was quite frightening, quite frightening. And uh, they actually, uh, in, in looking around his property, found some of this yarn 
that was talked about, and I brought a, uh, a sensitive out there, and uh, he stopped me, and, and he says, uh, they're, they're watching us. I said, what do you mean? He says, there, there's a portal over here, and uh, they're, they're very surprised that I can see them. And, you know, people have that ability. Some people can see things um, that other people can't. And, uh, you know, uh, so there was landing marks on this person's property. I mean, it was a, it was a hell of a case. It was a hell of a case. Uh, trees were, tops were knocked out uh, and uh, where this thing came in and then finally landed. Uh, so, you know, folks, there's something going on. There's mm -hmm. no question about it. One of the people that you've mentioned a couple of times is Bud Hopkins. And um, I had Deborah Cobble on last week. Oh, And, yeah. um, you know, he, he basically wrote a book about her story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that's an interesting case, too, because there's physical evidence that's been collected in the soil, which won't, you know, accept a retained water, which is another one of those common denominators in these cases. Um, yeah. What I did find interesting, though, with her, too, though, is she didn't necessarily view the experience as negative. She was sort of neutral. Hers, hers was a neutral mm -hmm. experience. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's the type of thing where you you have a broad spectrum of experiences going on, and, and depending upon where in, in the process they are, uh, it may be very negative, it could be neutral, or it could be, you know, very positive. Um, and, you know, we've, we've found that time and time again, where people have said that, you know, they don't really want this thing to, you know, the majority of people have said that they don't want it to stop. Um, and so, you know, the, the, these non-human intelligence are doing a good job in, uh, you know, convincing us, whether rightly or wrongly, that, uh, okay, it's not a bad deal. <laughs> hmm. Um but uh, yeah, all all these people, uh, you know. Then you have you have cases with uh, with hybrids. You know, that's a whole nother ball game. Mm -hmm. uh, talking about that, I don't know if you're familiar with the book uh, Rachel's Eyes. Mm -hmm. You ever hear that? Oh, yeah. Have you heard that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean that that that's a phenomenal book. And uh, matter of fact, one of our board members, who's a uh, hypnotherapist. Uh, actually did the regression on her and uh is, is you know uh june steiner and uh and uh helen luttrell who was the uh mother of uh this uh her daughter that uh actually went to school uh with the hybrid and that the military was bringing specialized food for this person to eat <laughs> <laughs> you know that it's 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 just a phenomenal story in that there's a base uh, you know 90 miles uh, south southwest of Ely, Nevada that uh, houses these uh, hybrids uh, a lot of them evidently and that, that there's a group within that uh, facility that goes out and does crash retrieval uh and it evidently happens quite regularly <laughs> it doesn't so, shock me one bit actually because I mean, I have no proof that I'm not a hybrid. I I mean, if, I, if they've been making hybrids for, say, 200 years, 
We could all be hybrids. You not even know it. Yeah, and I've said that on a, on a previous uh, interview that you know, are you know, are we hybrids <laughs> ourselves? Uh, the distinct possibility that we've been hybridized, you know, way back when, and it's a continuing process because you know if you. <clears throat> believe the numbers that the Roper organization did back in the early 90s, you know, they came up with a number of like 6 million people have, you know, been abducted. Well, just, you know, quickly run to the future now and then know that it's also, and that was just a, a study done here in the States, that this is a worldwide phenomenon. So how many people have been abducted since then? The whole population could, you know, easily, uh, be hybridized the, the way this is going on, you know. I mean, I get I get two to three uh, requests for help a week, easy. At least two to three a week, and maybe more sometimes, depending upon shows like this. I'll get a bump, uh, you know, people listening to your show, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> start contacting us because of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, and you know, Gary Gary Nolan getting his getting. Uh, use his name again here, uh, talks about this hybrid uh, situation and says, unfortunately, we don't have a sample of alien DNA to compare. Um, at least he's saying we don't have one. <laughs> I think maybe the government actually does, but uh, the, uh, the word uh, you know to the public is no, we don't. And so right. we can't tell if a person is a hybrid or not. Plus, if we're already hybrids, you already have tons of alien DNA. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about uh, you know one of the other things that comes up a lot with the abduction stories is dreams. I have had a lot of people talk about not necessarily physical contact but more like astral contact through lucid dreaming type of states or astral travel um do you guys research any of that well you know what it's it's in the support group it's talked about all the time um and so uh, as far as the researching that we haven't done any specific researching on on uh, uh, lucid dreaming uh, uh, it's been more focused on uh, the uh, uh, the psychological and, and, and physical nature of the phenomena. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we talk about astral travel, uh, the, the uh, you know, near-death experience uh, people, you know, they talk about their, their, their energy is, is, you know, moved out of the body. And then uh, that, that consciousness, if you will, is, is, you know, above the body and can see what's going on and hearing things even. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think that, that that's a definite marker in the fact that we don't die. You know, our essence, you know, your essence, my essence, call it the soul, call it the consciousness or whatever you, you feel comfortable with, um, it, it goes out there. And, and it, it doesn't it doesn't uh, you know succumb to death it, it, it just goes on and then uh, comes into another body or comes into another form or, or or something you know I've always wanted to come back as an eagle but you know the top of the bird chain there but I you know I you know 
it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And, and you know, when you, you have dreams where you can smell, you can taste, you can see colors, you, you know, you, you get all the feeling of actually being there uh, and, and, and experiencing these things uh, is, is remarkable, is absolutely remarkable. I mean, and then sometimes people even act out in these dreams uh, and physically sometimes, you know, hitting your wife with a pillow, you know, because you think there's a giant spider in the bed with you or something, um, things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, yeah, dreaming and lucid dreaming and astral travel. Uh, uh, I think that's a lot of the uh, experiencers are, are probably having those types of things as opposed to the physical body being taken, you know, out of out of the house or the, the room or or wherever they happen to be. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we can only surmise, uh, you know what's 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 really happening uh here one thing that's also been talked about a lot recently is disclosure you know ever since the tic tac video came out and the government says well we don't know what it is it's not from this planet but we don't have anything to say is extraterrestrial um <laughs> it always cracks me up um do you you know to me again you know from I've gathered from my other guests too, is that we're not going to be able to get disclosure from a government. That what seems to be happening now is the aliens have taken disclosure into their own hand and are doing it through making themselves known to small groups of people a little bit at a time. Yeah, I I I, I like to think about it as reaching critical mass. That uh, after a while there'll be so many people. Uh, that have had a, this type of experience that they'll be, you know, wake up one morning and say, of course they're here. Yeah, it's no problem. You know, we, we knew it all along uh, that, that this, this is true. This is uh, happening. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, and I think that day will come. Uh, but I, I, I think also, too, the next logical step uh, with the UAP reports uh, that coming, are coming out of the government is that uh, they need to understand that they need to be looking at the abduction phenomena as well. And I think they are. I think they really are. Uh, you know, like the Kit Greens and the Gary Nolans are, yeah. are definitely already talking to uh, abductees and, and, and getting more information out of that. And, and probably the, you know, the three-letter uh, companies out there are, are probably doing their bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the same type of a thing. Um, so... Um, I, I call it confirmation more than disclosure. I, it's already been disclosed, folks. You know, as far as you and me, we understand that they're here, yeah. and uh, there's, there's no question about it. So now we just have to confirm it to the rest of these people out there that, you know, are the people that wake up in the morning, uh, have their breakfast, go to work, come home in the afternoon, uh, have dinner, watch TV, go to bed. Next day, same thing over and over and over again, and don't even think about this kind of thing. Well, folks, the, the bottom line is it's going to hit you right in the head eventually. And that, uh, you know, whether or not they land a, a ship on the you know White House lawn or anything, uh, I don't think they're going to need to do that. Uh, you know, this Israeli uh, retired general, uh, the head of uh, 
the uh, space program, I guess, for them, uh, I forget the exact title, uh, Haim Ashed, you know, talked about the fact that, yeah, hey, we're, 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 we're already working with them. They're here. Uh, you know, we have a base on, on Mars, and, uh, but the aliens don't want to, uh, you know, make themselves known because we're not ready. You know, <laughs> uh, I, and I think if, if, if they did come down and, and, and make themselves known, I think 70% of the people in the, in the world would, would probably be okay with it. 30%, however, could have a real problem right. with, 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 <laughs> with the fact that, you know, there's something else out there and uh, it's not us. Yeah. And they have flown over the White House. Twice, oh, yeah. and jets yeah. were scrambled twice too. Yeah, that's true. And there's and there's the uh, story of Valley. Yeah, but they didn't land. They didn't land. <laughs> they were there, and they scrambled jets. And something happened. Right. And then there's the story of Valley and Thor too. Have you have you ever heard? Oh of that yeah. One? Oh yes, I have. Oh, hold on a second here. Let's see if I can show you this picture. I don't know if I can show it to you. Here it is. Oh, yeah, there Stranger it is. Stranger at the, the Pentagon. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> oh, I know. That's a matter of fact, one of this, uh, the uh, experiencers in my book uh, talks about that, uh, having experience with it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's some really interesting uh, stories from the, uh, the experiencers that are in our support group uh, that have uh, decided to tell their stories. Uh, I think... Uh, People would find them quite interesting, and uh, like I said, we we go th we go through all the all the possible phases. Whether it's you know uh, interaction with microwave energy, uh, gamma rays uh, that affect people, and, and and the effects of those things on people, um, we have uh, evidence from the from the government in there. You know, as far as uh, uh, the UAP report. I have the full report in there in an, an appendix. Uh, we we talk about the, these uh, uh, cave drawings and things like that. Pictures of those cave drawings that were you know forty thousand years ago, and it was a typical UFO shape. You know, absolutely typical UFO. We talk about hybrids. We talk about implants, like you know Dr. Lear uh, and the implants and the things that came out of that. Those were fascinating. I mean. Yeah, yeah, some yeah, of those have been unidentified. Yeah, they're made out of medical metals and things that we don't have here on Earth. Yeah, um, yeah. possibly nanotechnology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's no inflammatory or rejection reaction by the body to these foreign objects. Number one, no physical visible portal of entry. Uh, collections of specialized nerve endings surrounding the object, an outer coating of ceramic biological material, a metallic phase where inorganic metal becomes biological tissue, um, the emission of radio waves, uh, which are deep space frequencies in the FM band, electromagnetic magnetic fields in excess of 10 milligauss, Composition of meteoric iron, 66, rare earth metals such as U-236, a single isotope of uranium. Uh, Non-terrestrial isotopic ratios including uh, uh, indicating the uh, involvement was not come from the earth. So, I mean, there's, and, and you mentioned the nanotechnology and then gold spheres of unknown function. I mean, it's like, so these are physical aspects of, of uh, the uh, phenomena and we talk about the psychological aspects as well yeah 
what more evidence do people need? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, you know, it, it, like I, my, it's funny, you know, I have family members, okay, that know what I'm uh, doing. Matter of fact, before I retired in my business, <clears throat> all the people knew exactly what I was doing. And I, I was amazed that basically everybody was quite open uh, to hearing what I was doing and, and, and uh, uh, the research I was doing and the, the types of things, uh, uh, the kind of people I was working with. And, and then, you know, like my wife, for instance, she probably believes that, uh, or not probably, she believes that we're not alone in the universe, but that's as far as it goes for her. She's not interested in talking about this or anything else um, uh, in this regard. Uh, I have uh, some grandchildren. One of them is very interested. The others don't care. <laughs> uh, both my daughters, uh, you know, uh, they, one one is more interested than the other, but I would say that there's not a you know huge interest uh, because they're raising families and things like that. So uh, you know that's more important at this this point in their lives. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's fascinating that uh, we uh, can't. And, and it's funny. I'm glad you brought that up because I remember in the very beginning, I felt I should proselytize, you know, and try to convince people that, you know, yeah, we're not alone. Here's the facts. Come on, listen, you know, you've got to believe this stuff. And then I finally realized that's a waste of time. <laughs> that's a big waste of time. You know, you're going to you're going to gravitate to the people that are, are, are uh, um, you know, open minded and, mm -hmm. and, and willing to listen. And you don't have to tell them a lot, you know, uh, just a few things. And, and again, that's why I kind of wrote the book. I want to hopefully get it out there to more people that have an interest, uh, but not necessarily knowledgeable in a lot of the things that are going on. And then to tell the stories, uh, the, you know, have the stories of these uh, people that feel that they've had contact with non-human intelligences. And then back it up with some government type of information and the omega-3 study is in, in the book as well, the, the full study mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> that we go into more detail. Hmm. Um, ha have you dug into any of the cases um, from Project Blue Book? No, no, no. Those other um, cases? Uh, no, I, I haven't had any time <laughs> to do something <laughs> like that. I've been just dealing with the here and now. Uh, and working with these people and, and trying to uh, uh, help them, uh, you know, any way we can to uh, uh, get them to a point where they're they're more comfortable. I've had people, you know, talk about the fact that well, have you had the government contact you or, or try to shut you down in mm -hmm. any way, shape, or form? And I I think well, the short answer is no. And I think the reason for that is, is the fact that we're doing a service for them keeping a lid on this thing in a way where these people aren't, you know, running down the street screaming and yelling and, you know, saying that the sky is falling. Uh, <clears throat> so I think that uh, that's probably why, uh, uh, you know, we haven't had any issues like uh, other people like Linda Howe has had issues, you know, and yes. uh, uh, being a journalistic reporter. And uh, by the way, Linda Howe uh, wrote the foreword to, to my book. Oh, awesome. uh, so that that was really a nice uh, get for me and i've known linda actually for for many 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 moons mm -hmm. um and uh, so uh it's uh and i've known 
a number of, you know, a matter of fact, Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs were part of Opus in the very beginning, in the early 90s. Um, uh, they were on our advisory board. Uh, Linda Howe is on our advisory board right now. Uh, uh, Yvonne Smith is on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry Lovelace is on it. No him. And, yeah, and Melinda Leslie mm-hmm. is on it. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, it's uh, too bad Bud is gone. I, I really like the guy. I mean, he's a great, great guy. And I didn't necessarily, I mean, his, his books were fascinating. I mean, that's, uh, you know, Belinda Cortiel, uh, uh, you know, story was, was absolutely, I had a chance to meet her at one of the uh, MUFON symposiums. And uh, it was fascinating just to hear her talk about it and her experience. Uh, so there's so many stories out there. There's tons, and there's people writing books. Uh, you know, that's one of the things. That's the, one of the other things that uh, these uh, entities are telling people to get the word out. And so we have a number of people in in the support group that are in the process of writing books right now uh, about their own stories. And uh, so I, I think that uh, you know the maybe that's another way that the uh, entities, the non-human intelligence, are <clears throat> going to uh, eventually uh, make themselves known is through enough people getting their stories out. You know, maybe we'll have another one like Whitley Strieber, you know, uh, who really blew the doors off of this whole thing with his with his book, uh, Communion, you know, yeah. with the face of the alien on there. And it freaked out so many people, you know. I don't know if we, we'll have that same reaction uh, again. I did not put an alien on the front of my of my book cover. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, um, you know, it does seem to be they're coming out more. People are more open to talk about it. Um, like even like like next month, I have somebody coming on here who's never talked about her experience to talk about. You know what happened, her abduction experience. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it's definitely part of the whole process. Like I say, we can't depend on the government, but it seems like the extra, extraterrestrials themselves want us to know, and they're doing it in the most gentle way they can without totally messing up our social structure. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's 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 a clever way to do it, actually. Uh, you know, it's, it's not an overt... Uh, Situation where you know they come and land in the White House lawn. They're just basically uh, uh, making us know uh, enough of us know that uh, they're here, uh, and that uh, it won't be a big surprise uh, when it reaches critical mass. That uh, oh yeah, we we've already known that <laughs> they're here, and uh, and now they're out in the open, and uh, so those those people for sure won't be freaked out. <laughs> no. Um, so before we wrap this up, um, I want to thank you for coming on. This is a great interview. It's one of my favorite topics to cover, obviously, because oh, I've talked to so many people. <laughs> um, and uh, before we do, though, I want to know where people can find you, find your book, and also get in touch with Opus if they need to. Sure. Yeah, uh, Opus, uh, you can uh, see our website at opusnetwork.org. That's opusnetwork.org. And uh, matter of fact, if you go to our homepage, uh, 
you'll you'll see a picture of the book there you can click on that and that'll take you to amazon and that's where our book is also located so uh, either place if you go to amazon and look up the unknown other and the existential proposition of alien contact uh, or just go to our website and uh, click on that uh, picture of the book and uh, it'll go there by the way uh, all proceeds of the book go straight to opus i don't get anything um this is my way of uh, keeping keeping the cause alive, <laughs> and um, it's twenty dollars uh, for the uh, paperback version, and uh, nine ninety nine for the Kindle version. And if you're a Kindle Prime member, it's free. <laughs> I am a Kindle Prime member, so I can get yeah, it for free. Yeah, there you go. You can get it for free then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will put a link to the website and to your book in a note to this episode, so my listeners can find it. Oh, great. I appreciate it, Gary. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And hang on for one second. I just have to play the outro. I got to get a new chair. <laughs> <laughs> Squeaky chair. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at Everything Imaginable. 20.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page www.everythingimaginable2020.com 